Hello, everyone. My name is David Michael. And I am Michael Carter. And we are Ridiculously Ridiculously Bored. bored. (laughs) Roll the intro. We are here for episode number three. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So as a follow-up to episode two, though, I had a friend ask me very directly. They (laughs) said that, one, they thought you were a little too righteous that you wouldn't pee in the shower. And they said the second (laughs) thing is they think there's two kinds of people. They said the people who pee in the shower and the people who lie about it. (laughs) <laughs> would, you, would you like to respond to that <laughs> um i'll say that's pretty good uh, that's pretty good funnier than some of the jokes that you've told on the uh, on the joke fault <laughs> there's no re- there's no, wait, wait, wait there's no reason to bring the joke fault down <laughs> just because somebody made fun of you allow me to retort uh i i don't think it's so much me being righteous i don't think i'm righteous about uh much if anything um i do have a nasty case of ocd though and uh, everything I do usually, and I don't even realize it until I think about it after the fact, but I usually do stuff in patterns. Like, you know, me going to the bathroom before the shower is like pretty much 99% of the time. Like, that's just, that's that's my thing. That's what I do. And as soon as I'm done, I go into the shower and I don't even think about it. So um, the thought, and I, I will tell you, and I swear on my kids, I've never peed in the shower. Never? In my entire life. Nope. Wait never a minute. In my There's, entire life. There. I've peed in the pool many a times. I've never peed in the shower. <laughs> so that's better. Something that doesn't go down the drain and is just enclosed. So, all right. So now. So even, I am not righteous. Even if you. See, now, now I got to. I just got to be followed. <laughs> because my thing is, even if I never intended to pee in the shower, every once in a while, maybe you're in there too long. The water's nice. You, you end up like, oh, shoot, I got to pee. You're not going to get out. Just as clearly you don't get out of the pool <laughs> to pee when you have to pee. Getting out of the shower and getting out of the pool are two different things. I I take a five-minute shower. You know what I mean? When you're in the pool, you're usually in for the long haul. So, uh, and like I said, I almost always go beforehand. So, I never have that feeling of, holy crap, I got to go. It just doesn't happen. The best part about that is at your old house, I had been in your pool. And and now I'm uncomfortable with that. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. (laughs) All right. So I think we need to, um, so we said, we talked last week that we were going to, um, delve a little bit deeper into your, uh, your rubber glove usage. I think we need to, I think that needs to be the starting point for this episode for sure. You do need to, you you do need to, to give a little background, a little history on, on where this came from. I'm glad you didn't call it a rubber glove fetish. That is a totally different connotation. So (laughs) I'll save that one where it started. I, I couldn't tell you. And as a kid, I was, I think, a typical kid in the sense of played in the mud, you know, didn't worry about that kind of stuff. It just was the way it was. At some point in my adult life, from when after I moved out of my parents to by the time I got married at that point, I got in the habit of I don't like getting my hands dirty. So as an example, if I'm at a pizzeria 
and I can't use a knife and fork for some reason, I will put a napkin around the pizza slice and I'll eat the pizza that way. Right. So it's just, you know, I've seen you use the napkin. I have never seen you use a fork and knife to eat pizza. And if I had, you know, damn well, I would call you out on that because that is very un-Italian and very un-New Yorker of you. How about um, a knife and a fork for like buffalo wings or hamburger? Have you ever seen me eat those with them? Yes, I do the yes, same thing. I have 100%. Right. So <laughs> that, that kind of transition to now when I cook, I have quite a lot of rubber gloves. So many so that when this pandemic hit, and other people were rushing out to get some. I was like, I'm just going to go in my closet and grab <laughs> another <good>. box. <laughs> so there was there was no need for me to. Well, rush the rest out of the world was hoarding toilet paper. Michael was hoarding gloves. <laughs> yes. So um, it started with so now like it, it it starts right from the beginning of the meal. So I pull the box out. You know, it's one of those 500 count boxes. I put it on the island. I get a <laughs> garbage bag. You know, I joked last week that Thanksgiving was a 25 glove night sort of thing. Normally, it's not that bad, but I will go through a good 10 to 15, 16 gloves in the Can process I stop of you right making there? dinner. Sure. We talked about my OCD and the fact that you said a 25 glove night actually causes me like physical distress because that means that both hands didn't get a new glove at the same time. That means that there was there was no equilibrium between the hands getting equal amount of gloves. And it just makes me so uncomfortable. No, so I'll, I'll explain why it can be an uneven amount. I, I lost my right hand in a mill factory. No, um, <laughs> the, the reason why it could be an uneven amount is let's say I'm cutting an onion and I have the onion in one hand, the knife in the other, I don't need a glove. So that hand's not touching anything. It's just touching the knife. So I'm not getting dirty. I'm not getting any of the smells on me, things like that. So it's one of those things so much so that I've had people over and they've asked me, like, do you have some hand disease that I like you don't want <laughs> on the food or did you cut yourself? And so those are the people I'm like, clearly, I don't know that well because they didn't know why I was doing this. And I'm like, well, you see, I don't like getting dirty. And then I have to go through the same thing. Now, with you saying it's an OCD type habit. I think you're now making fun of potentially a handicap here. <laughs> because no, of the fact. no, 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 we're not going there. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, well, I, I, so, I mean, I could, I have it so I could make fun of it. Right. Isn't that, isn't that the rule? Like, you know, if you're Jewish, you can make Jew jokes. If you're black, you can say black jokes. If you're Italian, you can make, well, everybody makes fun of Italians, but <laughs> yes, for the most part, that's the thing. No, I just feel like, um, I just can't, um, I can't wrap my brain around some of the things that I do on a regular basis because I don't even think about them. It's like, and you know, I mean, we've talked about this before, but not only, you know, does it's like just OCD bother me. Um, for those of you that don't know that, don't know that's uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, but I also have a mild form of Tourette's where, and it's not bad when you think of Tourette's, you think of like, you know, people that, you know, swear a lot and they scream obscenities and stuff like that. That's like the worst case version of it. Or the best. The kind of, yeah, or the best, <laughs> the funniest, right? The, and not to make fun of it, the, the kind of middle realm is people that kind of have these like facial tics and movements that they always make. And on the minor, minor, minor end of it is, um, similarly like facial tics and stuff like that but it's you know kind of just repetitive things like um i always have an itch 
and it's not like a, a physical itch, but I always have a desire to like, you know, do certain things. Like when I were a kid, I would like, you know, crack my knuckles all day long or I would like crack my neck and, you know, um, and you know, when you're a kid, you don't really think of it. You're just like, oh, it's just kind of being a kid. But as you get older, you're like, why do I do this? And then you start researching it. And, you know, of course, Dr. Google knows all. So <laughs> I just, I found out. And, and then I was, you know, watching some other podcasts of people that do some more things. And I'm like, holy shit, like it's, it's a mild form of Tourette's syndrome. Well, see, that, that's interesting because like my daughter, she kind of latches on to something. So as an example, she was going meek for a while, like just for anything, like, Hey, do you want this, uh, milk with your dinner? Meep. Like just as a little goofy thing. It's a nervous habit, which is essentially what th that is, it, you know, like a mild form of Tourette's. It's a nervous, um, habit that you do when there's nothing else to do. So for the people out there listening, not only are we trying to bring you some funny stories, we're trying to educate you. Cause I always thought Tourette's was just the actual cursing aspect of it. I never knew that. Yeah. So that's the rubber gloves. It's it's nothing that crazy. I'm sure every one of you listening hope that you're going to restaurants and everybody in the back is doing exactly that. So I don't know why David likes to make fun <laughs> of me about it. But um, with that said, how was your week this week? I was wasn't too bad. Um, it was a little. It was actually uh, there was a, there was a couple of things that were really crazy. My dad. Uh, everybody knows my dad has Alzheimer's and. Uh, he also has um, glaucoma in both eyes, and he has cataract in each eye. So um, we were able to diagnose the cataracts in like end of August, early September timeframe. I took him to an eye doctor. He had actually never been to an eye doctor. He just did, didn't ever go to the doctor. You know, he had some issues when he was a kid, and uh, you know, his mom died, and he just never really wanted to to go see a doctor because his dad kind of said the doctors were, you know, were the reason why your mother died. So he always had this phobia of doctors. So um, when I brought him out here, I'm like, well, let's get you checked. Let's, you know, let's see if you're healthy. Um, and he kept on complaining about his eyesight. So I took him to get his eyes checked. And sure enough, the doctor's like, look, he's got glaucoma in both eyes. One of its, the one eye is too, too far gone to be repaired. The other one is pretty close. So you need to get surgery pretty quick to repair it. And then they're like, he's got cataracts in both eyes. That needs to be repaired, you know, pretty quick as well. Which is the one that when they can like take out your lens and put in a new lens? Is that one of those no two? Okay. I have no idea. I don't even know what the surgery entails. But so he's a veteran. So we try to do everything through the Veterans Affairs um, hospitals because he gets basically full coverage on it. And otherwise he uses Medicare. Then he's got to pay 20% out of pocket. So and of course, in the middle of the pandemic, it's impossible to get, you know, access to good healthcare because nobody wants to see anybody. They're trying to do, you know, all the, the in-person meetings would, you know, that would normally be in-person. They're doing them over the phone. So we finally, after like three weeks, four weeks, we get him an appointment and it's like three weeks out the day of, um, my wife. And I'm glad she did this. She calls just to make sure like, Hey, is this still on? And they were like, Nope, sorry. We had an outbreak. One of the doctors came down with COVID and we're not seeing any patients today. Okay. Well, he's going blind. Like, when can we get in to see him? And they're like, all right, the next available appointment's January 20th. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, that doesn't work. They're like, okay, well, you know what? We can, we can try and get you to a third party who accepts VA insurance. Okay, great. What do we got to do? Well, they'll call you. Okay, great. So we hang up the phone. Two weeks go by, three weeks go by. 
no phone call. I call the VA and I'm like, so I need to ask, when can I get in number one? And of course their response was, well, we're, you know, we can't see anybody anytime soon. I said, number two, who should I send my lawyer to? Because you're about to have a lawsuit on your hands. Cause my dad's literally going blind while waiting for you guys to get your shit together. So two, and they're like, two things, hold on two things. One, you don't have a lawyer that you could just send in. Right. So that's, and that's one. Two, there's one thing I learned from our president. It's just, you don't have to have a lawyer. You just have to threaten. Two, are you trying to skew to our older audience by holding your hand like this, as if you're holding up one of those old receivers <laughs> that are on the wall? Yes, okay, absolutely. Just, just check it. Go ahead. So the gal says, all right, let me put you on hold. Two minutes later, she comes back. Okay, there's an opening on Thursday. This was like Tuesday. I'm like, are you kidding me? Literally, all I had to do is threaten you and I can get in. So, um, so on Thursday, I took my dad down. They did a whole bevy of tests, probably took two hours worth of tests. And then finally we get in and see the doctor and she's like, all right, we're going to, they're going to call you in two weeks to schedule the first of three surgeries. So he's going to get cataract. They're only doing one eye at a time. So they're going to do his right eye, then his left eye. And then we have to go see a glaucoma specialist to get a referral to do the glaucoma surgery on, on his one eye that is actually like, you know, something that we can repair so that he's not going to go, you know, totally blind. So he is going to go blind in one eye though, quick, because while well, he's good, the, the glaucoma is just going to keep getting worse until he just can't see out of it. Quick question. Does the eye doctor know he has Alzheimer's? Yes. Okay. Cause my mom yeah. had to have some surgeries and there was a little bit of a risk to it. And once we told them how far along her Alzheimer's was, they said, you know what? We're not going to do it. They're like, it's not worth the risk under her condition. So I was just curious. Yeah, but this is this is your like if he doesn't get the surgeries, he's most likely going to go blind within the next year. Right. Okay. Right. So while Alzheimer's may ultimately kill you, it typically kills over like a longer period of time. So um so I don't I don't even think that's even a consideration okay. at this point. So anyways, so um and then she's like, "Look, since it's going to be a while before you get the glaucoma surgery, let me make you a prescription for some eye drops that'll at least slow down the deterioration until you you're able to get the surgery. So we go down. Um, the VA's got their own like you know pharmacy downstairs. She gives me this big folder, this packet full of information, pre-op, post-op, like all the information that I need, where the surgery center is, blah blah blah. So um, we're in the pharmacy and they call his number and I give the folder to my dad and I say, hold this, I'm gonna go pick up your your meds. So I go to the window, pick up the meds. Come on, Dad, let's go. We get in the car, we start driving. Granted, the VA hospital is about 35 minutes from my house. So okay. we're about 20 minutes into the car ride. And my dad goes, well, where's the surgery going to be at? And I said, well, I don't know. Look in the folder. It's, it's in the folder. He's like, what folder? I said, oh. dad, the folder that I handed you at the pharmacy. He's like, you didn't hand me a folder. I'm like, oh my God. Like all the information we need for that surgery is in that folder. Did you like check your pockets, check everything? And of course, he didn't have it. So, uh. So, and I, and I still haven't gotten it. I have to call the VA on Monday and ask them about it and, and try and figure it out. So anyways, so that's not the, the best part of it. The best part is I get them home and I drop them off and they give me three of these vials of drops and he's supposed to take one drop in each eye every night. So I'm like, I'm going to keep two of these just in case you lose the other one, right? So I give him the one and I said, look, tonight before you go to bed, put one drop in each eye and then you're good. He's like, sure, no problem. Goes off. I go back to my house. About an hour later, I get a phone call. He says, these mouth drops taste like oh. shit. <laughs> and I went, Dad, we just spent four hours in the eye doctor's office, and we got eye drops 
what made you think you were supposed to put that in your mouth? He's like, Oh, I forgot. Oh, Jesus. I'm losing my mind. I'm like, Oh, oh and man. don't get me wrong. I love my dad to death. I'll do anything for him. He does have these crazy moments where it's just like it stuff. Just the, f- I mean, you and I said it last week, like if we didn't laugh about it, we would cry about it because it's just sad. But he does these things every once in a while where I'm like, oh, my God, that's funny. So now a couple things. I know you've said your memory is not the best. And sometimes you worry that down the road you're going to have Alzheimer's. To rely on him to remember the folder. Do you not see a flaw in that at all? I literally handed it to him and he was holding it in his hands the entire time, like staring at it like. This is my folder. It has a name. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the army, like, this is my gun. I will care for it. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened to the folder. Okay. I still don't know uh, what happened just, to the folder. Just a little something I picked up along that story. Yeah, so that was that was my week. So you, you talked about in the middle of that story, you talked about how you, they finally caved and they're like, oh, Thursday we have an appointment. Mm-hmm. So when when they get somebody who's rather irate, you know, somebody like you has a lawyer bench behind him that can just throw one in whenever they need <laughs> That's to. right. They, they tend to, like, they'll squeeze you in somewhere, right? So the, probably it's like, well, you know what? This person will take five minutes from this person, five minutes from this person, squeeze mm-hmm. them in. Uh, what and I, that's probably what they did. Right. Either that or they had a cancellation. Possible. Um, what I used to do when I had friends in from out of town and we'd go to a restaurant in the city, they always, most restaurants have like that emergency table. It's mm-hmm. really for like if Brad Pitt walks in, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not for me, <laughs> that I guarantee you. Right. But what I would do is I would go in and then say, oh, well, you know, reservation, Michael, for four people. And they'd be like, uh, what time? I'm like seven o'clock. And they're like, oh, we don't seem to have it here. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I talked to the major D yesterday. They told me they had no problem. They both, and I'll, I'll give them such a hard time that they eventually find the table that they'll sit us mm-hmm. at. Right. So I know it's a little bit of a dick thing to do. And I don't it's called gaming the system. Yeah. And I don't do it all the time. But if people are in from out of town and they want to go to a specific <laughs> restaurant, we'll, we'll work it in somehow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about, we've mentioned that we're from New Rochelle, right? Uh, New Rochelle, which is known as the Queen City of the Sound. Which I did not remember until you reminded me. Yeah. So we talked about how we were from New Rochelle. I, I figured in around the holidays, which it is now, maybe we do almost a little bit of a ghost of Christmas past. So <laughs> I think if we talk about a few stories that happened to us when we used to live in New Rochelle, and there's no concern that somebody's like, oh, I didn't live in Nershaw. Why would I care about this? It has nothing to do with the town. It just happened while we were there. So who do you want to go first? Me or you? Um, why don't you go first since it's your idea? And uh, I know you have some pretty darn funny stories from our childhood. Yeah, right. You got away with more than I did. I didn't get away like with anything. Like I always got caught. <laughs> So let me uh, first let me run down a little bit of a list of famous people who are from Nurshell or famous things from Nurshell. So Carl Reiner, who just died at about I think he's about 100 years old before he died. He created the Dick Van Dyke show. And again, making fun of your phone joke, that guy was 100. The Dick Van Dyke show was on, I don't know, I think 60 years ago. Um, moving a little bit farther forward, Jay Leno was born in Nurshell, but he always says he's from Boston because that's where he yeah, grew up. He doesn't admit it. Yeah. Bastard. Uh, the show City Slickers took place where Billy Crystal lived. He lived in New Rochelle. That's where when he was leaving places, he would go back to New Rochelle. And then more recently, the really pride and joy of New Rochelle, uh, Ray Rice, who punched and knocked out his girlfriend on video and got thrown <laughs> out of the NFL. He's from New Rochelle. 
Way to rep Nero, Ray yeah. Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and Huguenots go Huguenots. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Craig Carlton, who is a radio announcer, is the Boomer and Carlton show, I think was recalled. Uh-huh. He went to jail for some gambling slash ticket Ponzi scheme. So that's just a, a little welcome to Nourishell from some people who were there. So we really have like nobody famous that did anything good. And the one guy, Jay Leno, won't admit that he's from New Rochelle. So, I mean. <laughs> that's, it's, that's New Rochelle. They should put that on the entrance when you're driving yeah. in. You've now entered New Rochelle. We haven't done anything good. P.S. Queen City of the Sound. <laughs> so, I'm going to, speaking of getting away with something, I'm going to tell, and that was not planned. You did not know I was going to tell this story. I'm going to tell a story about how when I was a kid, again, I've mentioned before, I, I'm from the, my parents are from the generation that if you weren't listening, Hitting, you know, was was part of the solution. Back when it was legal? Yeah, back when it was, in your view, legal. <laughs> so one of the things was, you know, m- my dad would use his hand. He would use a belt. My mom's a typical Italian. She'd use a spoon. She'd use a ruler, like whatever she got her hands on. So my dad had gotten in the habit of using a belt that was outside because it was the coat closet slash belt hanger was right outside my bedroom. So it was pretty convenient for him to just grab one if he needed to. (laughs) So me and my brother defies the scheme that we realized the cloth belts that you see kind of they're more nowadays, they're more the trendy belts, or maybe some people might consider them the hippie-ish rope belts. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, those actually did not hurt if you got hit with it. Leather (laughs) belts hurt like hell. And you speak from experience. Yes. I think I might have the scars from experience. I'm surprised you didn't get hit with a spoon or a shoe because that's like the Italian thing to do is like, I know my friend's parents would like his mom had like, you know, she was like Nolan Ryan with a shoe. Like she'd be like, boom, boom. So both seconds, my brother and my sister have stitches from a shoe from my mom. Oh, so that's why she's yeah. not using so maybe it left, maybe it left trace evidence. Maybe she retired it at the top of her game. She's like, I'm two for two now, so I won't go for the younger one. Maybe that's what happened. But so my dad used to hit us with a leather belt and it hurt like hell. And it also used to leave like a raised mark. So I think once he started using the other belts and he didn't see those raised marks, I'm feeling he didn't notice it. That's his problem, not mine. So he got we got in the habit of just leaving those cloth belts out. He would come in if something happened and he would grab one and he would hit my brother and I. And we would scream bloody murder as if it was the worst thing that had ever happened. And mm-hmm. it didn't hurt at all. Right. <laughs> at all. Right. So that was something that happened. Nothing crazy. Didn't think anything about it. Got away with it for a couple of years. Nothing. 30 years later, we bring it up at like a family event. We just happen to be telling stories and I bring it up. And talk about stubborn Italians. My dad, 30 years later, was furious that we got one over on him. Uh. (laughs) He was absolutely pissed at us that that happened and he got away with it. And we got away with it 30 years later. Crazy. He's got to be careful. He might be plotting his revenge. Yeah, maybe. Through and, your kids. And there's no more cloth belts around, so. <laughs> He's telling your kids all the, all the secrets so that they could get away with it, too. Maybe. I had one experience with my mom, and it was, um, so my parents didn't, they weren't creative enough to, like, use, like, spoons or shoes or anything. They would just, like, if I, you know, mouthed off, I'd get, like, a whack across the face, right? So um, my mom was like five, two. So like the minute I outgrew her, which was like, I don't know, when I was like 10, 11, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it becomes a little bit more difficult 
to 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 stand up to your child when they're larger than you. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one instance of where I don't even remember what I did. It was probably something stupid, but um, I was all fired up and she went to smack me and I caught her hand and I, I did something like stupid and like reckless. Like I was just like, it ends now. Something like, like stupid and completely over the top. And then she was like, I don't care how old you are, motherfucker. I will still kick your ass. I'll cut your, I'll cut your throat in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. I'm like, so after you did that, to me, it feels like <laughs> there'd be a director who would yell, cut, let's do mm -hmm. that with a little less emotion. It was way over the top. It was, but I remember like practically being on the verge of tears, like you're never going to hit me what, again. What TV shows were you watching as a 10 year old that that's the line that I comes to mind? I don't know. I don't know. G.I. Joe. That was it. <laughs> All right. So we got away with some crazy shit, though. I mean, well, I wouldn't say always got away with it. I mean, do you remember that time where like it was like in the, it had to be like mid to late 80s. The Beastie Boys were like in full effect and they were in their videos rocking around and they had like the big medallion with the like VW logo on yep, it. Their first album. And you and I were like. I want a VW logo. I want to wear one of those around my neck. And we went out looking for one. Do you remember that? Yeah. And and there was a point where, you, like, you walk down the street and most Volkswagens didn't have those logos on because people were ripping yeah. them off. Yep. They weren't as big as the Beastie Boys guys one. But, yeah, people were ripping them off. And you, you and I went out trying to find some. And we went to uh, some building. And we were walking around the parking lot. And some guy came out, and at that time, yeah, um, I think he offered us a little something—the typical, "Hey kids, you want some candy?" Like that kind yeah. of situation. I don't think it was candy. I think it was weed. But yeah, but, I mean, you and I were pretty young at the time. You know, twelve between twelve and fourteen years old. Yeah, and he. Uh, oh. Luckily, we were smart enough to only take a couple hits and then go no i'm kidding um, <laughs> yeah like the guy would have like who knows what would have happened right and yeah no yeah. he was he was trying to get us into his apartment i yeah. remember that that was a that was a nasty nasty close call yeah that's so the shit that you read about there's that one and then there's the one that like looking back i think you should consider it the moment that you're like wow i'm gonna be friends with this guy forever because he didn't walk away and it was when I know I know what you're talking about. This it, is the eggs. It, yes, <laughs> we were throwing eggs at car cars. Hold on, hold on. You, we got to set this up. We got to set this up. All right. So, um, for all my Arizona folks, because I know they don't they don't have this out here, um, and this must be just like an East Coast thing, or in maybe in, it's in major cities. But um, the night before Halloween, we used to call it Mischief Night. Yeah, and everybody had their own kind of thing that they would do on Mischief Night. You know. There were parties where we'd all go to like uh, a cemetery and we'd split up into teams and we'd all get eggs and we have like egg fights around the tombstones and that usually ended up in arrests. So and, we, yeah. you know, we tried to stay away from and that. Shaving cream as well. That was another big thing. Yeah. Shaving cream or I, I don't even know what we did with that. Mostly like fake graffiti where we'd like, you know, spray cars and stuff like that. Yeah. And it got so bad in our neighborhoods that for about, I'd say three weeks before um, Mischief Night also known as devil nights in some places mm -hmm. you weren't you couldn't buy things anymore you couldn't buy eggs you couldn't buy shaving cream if, yeah, yeah, if, if you were, were underage yeah. yeah and so you know your mom being the well on one side the she side, was the cool mom for the most part 
on one side, the slit your throat while you sleep, mom. <laughs> on the other side, the cool mom, she, she a, used to buy all the stuff for us. So we had it yeah, at your she house. She was a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah. Okay. So we had set up some rules, if you remember. The rules were something to the effect of. I don't remember this rule. I know uh, where you're going. The with rule this. was don't throw it at cars that have tinted windows. No, you said it after I threw it. You said it after. So we're standing on the corner. And I mean, we had just gone out. It, it had just gotten dark. We've got a whole dozen eggs and we're like, all right, you know, and the big thing was, you know, when those big buses kind of drove by, we were throwing out the bus. It was impossible to miss because they're so massive and, and the dude's not going to gonna stop because the guy wasn't stopping, yeah, right? Yeah. He wouldn't stop because he's got his route to do. Right. So, but that got boring after a while. So we're standing on the corner, a, a 12 pack of, uh, you know, a dozen eggs and this car kind of pulls up and he's going to make a left you know, and kind of drive away from us on the corner. And I, I hear you grumble something to the effect of like, oh, no, 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 like I, that. I probably said, remember the golden rule. <laughs> no, we never <laughs> talked about this beforehand. Anyways, he turns. And I don't have the best aim in the world, but this night I was freaking Dwight Gooden because I nailed it from probably 30 yards out. He had turned and sped away. And I let that thing go, and it nailed his uh, his driver's side window like perfectly. And we heard the poof, and we both looked at each other. And we went, "Oh shit!" And the brake lights came on, and we were like, the "We break, gotta get the hell out the of here." The breaking and the screeching is what really triggered yeah. it. And then we we, gotta go. we hightailed it. Yeah, and the and we went, thing about that is, you know, you're a lot faster than me, so <laughs> I'm the fat kid running behind, and you're gone. So go on. <laughs> so we ran back up to my house, and this is where it gets really stupid. We were up in my house and we looked at each other and we were like, we have like 11 eggs left. What are we going to do? And this was like after 10 minutes, we're like, hey, let's go back down. <laughs> what to hell? me, that was totally enough time. I'm like, what were we thinking? I'm like, if somebody threw an egg at my car, I would look for them for five or 10 minutes. I couldn't find them. I would leave. Right. That's what we thought would happen. Yeah, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, that's not what happened. So we go back down and we start walking to the exact fucking same spot. I, I question, I, you know, telling this story, like how freaking stupid were we? We walked down to the exact same spot. That's, right? rule, start, that's like rule number one of any bad TV show you've ever seen is you don't return to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah. We yeah. Went back. So anyways, so we see this couple walking down the street and we don't even like think twice of it. And At then, the time, they look like a lovely couple just strolling hand in hand, to be quite honest. Yeah, it happened yeah. to be hand in bat. <laughs> <laughs> So they get close to us and the guy stops and he sees us and he says, uh, have you guys seen anybody throwing eggs? And I literally have two eggs in my hand at the t when he says this. So, and there's a car right next to us. So I kind of like kneel down, like I'm going to tie my shoe and I start like rolling the eggs underneath the car. So I don't have them in my hands. And we're like, oh no, man, no, I haven't seen anybody eggs. And before, like I even could finish the sentence, the dude had scaled the fence and come up to us and grabbed me. And he must have saw me throw the egg because he didn't even go for you. He went straight for me and he pulls a bat out of his jacket. And the bat is like a, it's like a mini baseball bat. That's like, you know, maybe two feet in length and it's got nails all around it coming yeah, out of it. It was like, like from some the walking dead Negan from bat. walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think what happened was when he said, did you see anybody? I think we gave conflicting answers is what happened. I think you said no, and I was like, they went that way. I think that's what happened. Because, And you said, he scaled that fence. 
like Spider-Man would have been proud how yeah, quickly he scaled it. Was, it. it was a six foot it fence. Was, it wasn't We didn't like, even have time to react. Yeah. That's how quick he scaled it. All right, and so yeah, he grabbed me he and grabbed then he dragged you, me. And as you said, he didn't go after me. He didn't grab me. I was just kind of there now at this point. Right. I'm an observer just like this guy's girlfriend was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he drags me a block and a half down the street to where he parked his car. And then he shoves my face wait, wait, into wait, wait, wait. where the egg was on. Hold on, hold on. So as he's dragging you down the street, I am now walking with his girlfriend as if her and yeah. I are dating. <laughs> and <laughs> and she's going on and on. And I think at that time I was still trying to deny. I'm like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, I don't know why he's acting like this. Like we had nothing to do with this. But I remember being a good five or 10 feet behind you, but I still walked with you. And that's why, like I said, before you had your egg souffle in a minute that you'll talk about, you should have been like, man, I'm going to be friends with this guy forever because I could have left. <laughs> so he gets me to the car and he he throws me up against the car and he starts. And this guy's like, I don't want to say he's twice my size because he's not. I mean, we were pretty, pretty tall as kids, but he's bigger than us. He's clearly older than us. We weren't old enough to drive. Um, and he shoves my face in the eggs and he's like, you know, he's like, look it look it and i'm like pretending to like lick the eggs i'm like oh geez how do i and immediately my mind is like all right wait where's the exit in this whole scenario where do i go so um i don't know what actually caused him to be like confused or he stopped for a second but i just kind of shoved him away and i started running now this is the part where i don't know why i'm still friends with you (laughs) because (laughs) after you shrugged him off and you started running he turned around and took a swing at me now he's like, well, this is the next best thing. This guy's still here. <laughs> so if I remember, I think he grazed me. I don't think he definitely didn't hit me squarely. I don't remember if he hit contact at all or not, uh, but he swung at me then. And then that's when you yeah. and I both ran off. Yeah, we, we, we ended up running together and we jumped through some yards and made it back to my place. But uh, I remember that night very specifically because it was the night the Mets were in the playoffs playing the, the Dodgers. I think it was like the 88 World Series. And uh, they had lost that night, and the Dodgers went to the World Series that year. That was the Kirk Gibson year, where with the the walk off home run. But no, I, um, I think I blocked everything else around that night out. I don't yeah, I, I just because I I just I remember distinctly all the things that happened that night because it was so dramatic. Why Why didn't we stay in and watch the fucking baseball game? I have no idea. We just did some really stupid things. Yeah. So that was the street we grew up on. Right. That all happened on my street and David Street, which were connected. Um, so as part of like growing up in that neighborhood, as you know, so my house was robbed four times growing up. I always whenever New Rochelle comes up and I went all the way to Australia and I brought up New Rochelle in a story and somebody was like, oh, I knew New Rochelle. I've heard about it. It's really nice. And I'm like, well, you're thinking of the North End. <laughs> I'm like, the North End has million dollar mansions. I'm like, beautiful houses. I'm like, yeah, that's the North End. I'm like, I grew up on the South End. And I always say, I'm like, just to give an example of what it was. And again, this is what it was. My house got robbed four times as a kid. So one, of, I want to talk specifically about one of them. Um, the last one, actually, we lived next to an empty lot when I was a kid. Later on, they ended up, somebody bought it. They built houses and things like that. But first 25, 30 years of my life, it was an empty lot. And my sister was getting married and um, it was a big production as, as you do, right? Limos are out front, people taking right. photos, all of those things. We might as well have put a sign outside that said, hey, nobody's going to be home later if you're interested. <laughs> so we go to the wedding. We come home. I get home first with a cousin of mine who lives all the way upstate. 
uh, sorry, cousin who married into the family. And it's important. He's not part of the family anymore. So I don't mind telling the story. He, him and his, uh, me and him went, we were like, oh, we got to get some stuff ready because other people are going to come and they're going to be leaving. So we went back to the house. And when we get to the house, the door is kicked open. So people asked me later, like, why didn't you go somewhere else and call the cops? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I didn't, it just didn't come to mind. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's that, uh, saying a fight or flight, right? Like if something happens, yeah. people either, um, lick the egg or mm. try to run away, right? <laughs> like that kind of thing. So the problem here, and I'm not making fun of the guy, the guy had a major stuttering problem when he got nervous. This is your cousin, my cousin, my cousin-in-law, okay. who's no longer part of the family. Got it. So I say to him, look, I don't know if anybody's still inside. I'm going to grab a steak knife. You should grab a steak knife. And we're going to go like room to room. And again, I was 17 at the time. It's that typical young and dumb. Like, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like, guy will jump out. The guy who was willing to rob my house. I'm sure if he jumps out, I'll totally be able to handle him. Like, that's probably what I was thinking. So we grab the knives and we start walking through the house. And we start going room by room. And my parents' house wasn't exactly like a train system, like one after the other after the other, but you could right. kind of work through the house and moving from back to front. So we start going from room to room and I'm saying things like, hey, check the closet, you know, let's check the closet. So he would check the closet. And then so are you being like super quiet? Like, check the closet? I don't, or are you being like, get the dogs? No, we get the police. The police take it from the front. Somewhere in the middle. Like, hey, you got that gun? No, somewhere in the middle was was how we were. But I would suggest to him, hey, check the closet. And then he would recommend to me where to check. But he would be like, check on the bed. Right. So he's stuttering. It's already a pretty intense situation with what's going on. And it was making it so much worse in the moment that I ended up yelling, I'm the one who's going to give instructions where to check from here forward. And so, like, that was the time where thankfully they didn't take that much. But mm -hmm. as I've said before, you know, growing up pretty poor, one of the times they stole the TV, like we didn't have a TV for four months. It wasn't like yeah. my dad was like, oh, well, I'll just go and buy a new TV. No, we didn't have a TV for four months. So that was uh, was unique, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we grew up like right next to my the apartment that my parents lived in. There was a halfway house where, you know, for recovering, um, you know, drug addicts. Right. And then across the street. And right next to your house was the projects, which if you don't know what the projects are, it's basically high rise, low income housing. It's, you know, literally like, you know, 200 apartments in a 20 story, you know, apartment building, all low income, like section. Now they would consider it to be section eight housing. But so let's um, let's give them the respect they deserve. They had a nickname for that area. It was called the hollow. That's actually what it was. Nicknamed, yeah, the hollow. that's right. I do remember that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, yes. that was crazy. Yeah. So <clears throat> the other thing I want to tell, uh, I want to talk to you about a story about Liebermann's in Nourishelle, right? Liebermann's was a store that they were most famous for having a monopoly on uniforms for schools. Yeah. Right? So I went to a Catholic school. Right. I had to go here every year and get my uniform. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they got their hands in that public school money, too. They used to sell the gym uniforms, right? Because you used to have to wear <laughs> a certain uniform in gym. So Liebermann's was a store in Shell who today you could not call it what it is or what it was, was they specialized as well in husky clothing for kids. 
right. husky meaning fat. tall and large. <laughs> yes. Somehow fat lost the the vote and husky won. And so the thing with Lieberman's though was their husky section was downstairs. So I've been a I've been a big guy my whole life. I've been 50 pounds heavier and occasionally 50 pounds lighter, but I've always been a big guy. And so you go into Lieberman's and they would be like, oh, what are you looking for? And they'd be like, oh, looking for pants or whatever size it was, but basically the husky size. So the guy's like, oh, sure, that we keep that stuff downstairs. So they would go to the stairway. They would turn on. They didn't even keep them on. That's how like low, <laughs> the, the lights were least on. amount of people who went to this area. <laughs> they turn them on. They were these, those old fluorescent lights that were like, as they turn on. They took forever to go on. And that's how we used to shop downstairs as those lights were still getting their full brightness. And by the time we were done, they still hadn't fully come up to light. So do you have like recurring nightmares about this place? Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I used to, I mean, my only story about, about that place is, um, my mom, um, you know, bless her heart. She tried, but we were always usually late getting my uniform ordered for school. And you know what it is, you go down there, they measure you, and then it takes like a week or two to like, you know, order the clothing and then you got to pick it up and try it on and make sure it fits. And then you get to go go home with it. Well, we rarely got it in time for school. So I would like first day of school, everybody in my class and in the school for that matter has their perfectly pressed brand new uniforms for the school year. And I'm in like jeans and a t-shirt and everyone's just like staring at me like the odd man out because I didn't have my uniform. And your school being a Catholic school, right? You couldn't hide in the numbers, right? Like my public oh, high school. Oh, no, no, no. There was 30 people yeah. in my class. My public yeah. high school had 600 people per year and we were a four-year school. So yeah. you could hide in the numbers in that case. Yeah, yours had mm. 30 people. Yeah, that was crazy. So there any did other- you have, Speaking of schools, like did you have any like embarrassing moments in school? So like as a kid, well, yes, luckily it didn't involve a uniform, but um, it actually did involve a costume. (laughs) Now that I say that (laughs) one Halloween, they used to have Halloween dances, right? The typical boys on one side, girls on the other type Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And I was dressed as I think it was Dracula. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was Dracula. And at the time, your parents had to come with you. So I was maybe fourth grade, fifth grade, something like that. And I was complaining about being too hot in the outfit. And I complained a little bit too much to my mom. And she hauled off and smacked the shit out of me in the auditorium or the gymnasium, wherever we were. Why was your mom there? Did I miss that? Yeah, you had a, it was chaperone. You had a parent had to be there. Like I said, that's why I was like third, fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. So that stuck with me for a few years. So the sting of the slap. Wasn't as bad as the mocking the that pride. occurred for yeah. the next few years. What about you? What about with you at school? Other than uh, not being in uniform. Yeah. My worst experience ever was um, so stupid too. Junior high. So we had junior high in uh, in my, my um, elementary school was sixth and seventh grade. No, seventh and eighth grade. So I had to be in seventh and, you know, and there was only super small school. There was only like four classrooms. So in between classes, walking down the hall, it's just you're walking like two doors down, one door down, whatever. But you have like a five minute break. So people kind of dilly dally in the hallways. So anyways, we're we're leaving one class and, um, you know, I end up walking by some eighth graders and one of them's kind of like this kid that everybody picks on. But, you know, I got picked on a lot. So I didn't I wasn't really one to like pick on other people. 
And um, especially because you, you know, knew that I, was going to be you in another year. You were going to be that eighth grader <laughs> that people were picking on. So I just I, I don't I don't even remember what started it, but I was just making some noises with my mouth. And then I guess he thought I was like making fun of him. So he confronted me about it. And I'm like, dude, like, no, you know. So anyways, he walks away. I walk away. His teacher sees the exchange from across the hall, doesn't hear it, but sees it. Right. And thinks that I'm picking on him. So she comes over and she starts screaming. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And she grabs me by my hair and starts shaking my hair. This is a Catholic school. Like this was legal in Catholic yeah. school, right? This was legal. <laughs> <laughs> she grabs me by the hair and she starts shaking my hair and she's like yelling at me. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I didn't do anything. And um, the entire hallway stops and you hear crickets and you just hear her yelling at me and like pulling me by the hair and like shaking my head. And finally I throw my books at her and it, you know, startles her and it breaks her grip. And then I just kind of like run away. Right. And I, I ended up leaving the school and I went home and I'm like, screw this. I'm not going back. Was there, and, cry, was there crying involved? You can be honest. Think, maybe. No, all right, I don't I'll, think just, there was crying. How about this? How about this? Was there crying after you left the schoolyard? Maybe you wanted to keep like strong on the schoolyard and then started crying. <laughs> I don't, I, I hardly ever cry. I'm, so. I'm relatively sure I started crying when my mom slapped the shit out of me, <laughs> which probably didn't help the situation. <laughs> All right. Maybe I did cry. I don't know. I don't remember. But I do remember um, that night, my mom was a hairstylist. So that night I went to my mom and I went, I didn't, I didn't tell her what happened um, until the next day, but I went to my mom and I went, uh, I want a haircut and I had longer hair. And I said, I want you to remember like when it was popular to get your hair spiked where you'd put the gel in it and it would just like stick straight up. So I'm like, I want you to spike my hair. So she cut my hair and spiked it. And the next day I went in and everyone thought it was hysterical that I had straight spiked hair sticking straight up after that whole like experience. And I was, I remember making a joke out of it because I was just like, yeah, she did this to me, <laughs> pointing at the teacher. <laughs> how, how did it feel with your mom having a sharp blade around your head and neck area after some of the other threats she's made to you? It wasn't until my later years where she threatened to cut my throat in the okay. middle of the night. Just just trying to get a timeline in my head. <laughs> Actually, I think my mom's classic line was, I'll ice pick you in your sleep, motherfucker. Wow. Like she would literally say that word for word. And as a kid, I was like, I'm not going to mess with her. She's crazy. Yeah. And as but that's an adult, where I, you thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's where I learned. I'm like, you know what? That's that's the anti-bullying. That's how you get rid of a bully. You just lose your shit and act like you are absolutely out of your mind crazy. And from that point forward, I remember just being like, you know what? No one's going to mess with me because I'm going to be the craziest motherfucker here. Yeah. Uh, no, my, for, the, for the most part. Mine was a different way, right? Like, so it's, it's, uh, you jokingly people call it prison rules, right? And I'm not talking about the shower in prison. I'm talking about <laughs> like if I you got in a go fight with somebody, like that just showed that you were willing to get in a fight and they kind of left you alone after that. And mm -hmm. so that's what happened a couple of times in my school. And look, I I've actually been suspended more times than I would like to admit, but it was from everything from fighting. Um, bringing a Chinese star to school, right? Or I don't know what the politically correct term for a ninja star, I guess. I don't even know if that's the correct term for it. But I had that in schools. I got in trouble for that. Um, mouthing off, all, all those type things. Oh, but surprise. like, Yeah, and, and fighting. I got in trouble for fighting. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things that, like, 
my parents expected me to get in trouble almost. It became a norm. Yeah. At one time, my dad told me he came in from starting in second grade, which means you're about seven years old. He came in every year at least once to have to speak to my counselor until <laughs> I think it was ninth or 10th grade. And he then told them. And so now my dad had to work two jobs. So he was always like basically going from one job to the other. So he had to come in, which meant that night he probably had to skip dinner, right? Because that's what he used to do. He used to go home, eat dinner, and then go to his second job. He came in every year from about second to ninth or 10th grade. And then eventually my dad said to them, I'm done here. Like, I'm not coming in anymore. You do whatever you feel you need to do. And he said he wouldn't come in anymore. So it was not that long after where I really stopped going to classes. (laughs) Oh man. Crazy shit. All right. We, uh, we've been doing the one crazy question. Uh, so this, one's like gonna be fun. To, this one was, um, this one was, was Mike's choice was not my choice. I, I, I'm still opposed to even going down this path, but, um, we're, we're going to go with it and see where it goes. So the question this week, go Wait, ahead. Hold on, hold on. I told you what the question I came up with was and I hated and, it and you hated it. So yeah. I said, look, you basically have, this was last night. We talked for a few minutes. I said, look, you have 24 hours to come up with another question if you don't want me to ask this one. So with that, the one crazy question is, what would you guess your parents' favorite sexual position is and why? (laughs) This is so freaking horrible. (laughs) So luckily, my parents have been divorced for so long. I honestly don't think they have one. I honestly don't. I mean, clearly they this had sex at bullshit. one point in time. <laughs> clearly they did because I'm here. But uh, I, you know what? I'm just going to go straight old missionary because I can't. I don't even want to consider anything other than that at this point because saying it will make me visualize it. So instead of answering my question, you've basically gone with a non-answer. Yeah. So I have two comments I'm going to make, and it'll show you that. You came off weak in that answer. (laughs) So one, when I was 10 years old and we were in Italy, we were visiting family in Italy and we went to the house my parents grew up in or my dad grew up in, I should say. And the house was a pretty small house. They had there were seven kids who grew up in it, not many rooms. And so we were there, me, my brother, my sister, my parents, my grandparents. And we all kind of got shifted into rooms. So I was in the room with my parents. Now, as a, te- I don't know if I really knew what was happening at the time, but I knew it well enough that it stayed with me 38 years <laughs> later. So my, my mom and dad were screwing missionary style next to me. I wasn't in the bed. I was in a cot <laughs> next to them, but <laughs> in the same room with oh, me. Oh, man. I was facing away. I saw it kind of turn. They stopped for a second. And then they, I turned over and then they were like, oh, he must have went back to sleep. And then they just oh. kept going till they were done. And I was awake, unfortunately, the whole time. So that's, that's one. Now. Oh, there's more. There's a different one. Oh, geez. So now if you don't, you don't want to think of your parents even having sex. You don't want to no. think of them doing even more stuff. No. So. Here's the funny thing about this. My brother, before he passed away, my brother, for those of you who don't know, my brother died a few years ago. He died only at around 50 years old. But he had moved down to North Carolina when he was around 25, 28 or something like that. So he'd been down there for a long time. 
So he moved back up to New York about four years ago. And we went to what we called guys night, right? It was me and a bunch of friends I grew up with. Um, we call them, we've been boys since we've been boys. And we had, we get together at somebody's house and we have some fun. And so my brother came to that. Now, at that point, my brother was, I don't know, maybe say 45. And he had been able to go through his whole life without hearing this story. And then <laughs> one of the guys brought it up. And you can see the visual shock on his face of this story. So the story is, and I don't remember the year, but I do know you were still home. So what year did you move to Arizona? 92. So I was under 20 years old. That's the only thing I can confirm mm -hmm. because I had left your house. Because as you remember, when we were kids, we had a curfew, right? Mm -hmm. Or I had a curfew and I had to be home. If I was at your house and I went home and told them, because we didn't have cell phones, if I went home and told them, I'm like, hey, I'm at David's across the street. Is that okay? I could usually come back out. Yeah. So I went home to tell them that, in which they didn't expect me home. Because <laughs> you were never home on time. That's why. <laughs> I used to not come home. Till my, my dad has this certain whistle that he does. Right. Yeah. He uses his fingers and it is such a pitch to it that that was, you better get home now. So whenever I heard that whistle, I would go home. That was, and it was the always, unpissed whistle. But yeah. there, we used to joke about this. There was like curfew and then there was mic time curfew. Like it well, was always was, like 30 minutes later. There was curfew. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, my mom would start yelling my name. You know, mm -hmm. Mika, come home, come home. So you can hear her. Because again, we only hung out within two blocks yeah, of, our, of our yeah. neighborhood, of our houses. So it hadn't gotten to that point yet. So she hadn't started calling me. He hadn't started calling me. And now I, I realize why later on. So... I go home to tell him, hey, I'm going to stay at David's house a little bit longer. You know, I'm just letting you know. So I walk in. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. I, <laughs> this is, it's not, these are things that's not going to get me in trouble at work, but people at work are going to look a little bit different at me. I can tell yeah. you right now. <laughs> I walk in. My dad is on the couch getting blown by my mom. <laughs> so I walked into, so I walked into the room. <laughs> and I kn now I'm an adult. I'm old enough did, to did I they know notice you. Oh yes, they did. Oh, so I'm an adult enough to know what's happening. <laughs> so I walk in. My mom panics, jumps off my dad. My dad grabs a pillow that's on the couch. <laughs> which, for the side note, we never got rid of that pillow either, and that was on his dick. <laughs> my mom jumps to the other side of the couch and is now crying. <laughs> oh, Jesus. my dad just covers himself. I try to pretend like I didn't see anything. I told him, I'm going back to David's and I left. Clearly they knew I, some, I saw something. I, they knew I saw something. I knew they saw, they knew I knew, but we never talked about it. Is that when you had the, the first birds and the bees conversation? I think that was when, when I, a mommy and a daddy really love each other. I, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the night I cried myself to sleep for six or seven years straight. So we're at, see, wait, hold on, hold on. So we're at one of these boys nights and we're talking about oh, stories right. or something. And one of the guys goes, well, it, that's bad, but it's not as bad as walking in and catching your mom blow your father. And my brother's like, who did that happen to? And they're like, <laughs> him. And my brother's like, what? And I'm like, oh, I said, I can't believe I've never told you this story. So then I had to tell him this story. As a 45-year-old, he had to hear this story for the first time. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, I mean, it, in my defense... My parents are way more likely to listen to this podcast than your parents. I would agree with so that. So I feel like I have to be a little bit more discreet 
with some of my childhood stories. So you know how we're following up every episode with questions from last episode? If David's yeah. parents are listening, can one of you call oh, in and tell us which way you like to do the deed? Please. Don't. Thank you. Watch. My mom will call me and she'll be like, oh, just tell him it's doggy. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll want to slit your own neck. <laughs> All right. I, I think uh I think we need to wrap it up. It's getting almost on an hour. Um I, come joke, on, joke, 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 vault. joke vault. Joke vault. All right. Let's do it. All right. You ready? Make me laugh, motherfucker. So now I've decided I'm no longer gonna talk these down. If you don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> I'm gonna build it up that it's it's quality. Um or as I, some guy at work this week told me that he's been listening to the show. So I mm. said, Oh, you know, I said I think we got a little bit better in episode two than one and i said what a, i said what did you think and he said look i'll be the judge of whether or not your episode was good or not not you so <laughs> here we go I, and this is on my intern letterhead again so we're going old school oh. um i saw a, bu a bumper sticker that said jesus is my best friend you have to have a sad life if your best friend hasn't written or called in two thousand years <laughs> all right that's pretty good they're, they're, I, should, I think you should have started with some of these because they're get they're definitely getting better well the problem is um now i am trying to weed the better ones out <laughs> after the debacle that so, was the first so episode. what you're saying is we're going to run out of good ones real soon yeah. there's a lot of uh, right. there's a lot of wife ones and cop ones for some reason we'll get to those later all right that's pretty funny what uh what do we want to talk about next week so next week why don't we talk about um, near death experiences. Yeah, I've I've had a few of those, unfortunately. And have one you had of like them we were together, and you've yeah. had I think others. Yeah. Have you had like a real like? Yeah. Now that I think, I can think of one where I know that you had a like a real legit near death experience. Well, the only people who tune into episode four will know. <laughs> All right. All right. With that, I'm Michael Carter, and I'm David Michael, and we are ridiculously, ridiculously bored. bored we still suck at that this is amazing to me because it was a hearse with a body in it <laughs> of it so in technically the it's legit first of all if you're a cop how are you pulling over a hearse what's the emergency like, uh, well the guy in the back the guy in the dead. back is on ice i don't know if i'm gonna use that one or not right. <laughs> <laughs>